Hello and welcome to Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. My name is Logan Wolf, and I am a church planter here in Provo, Utah. My wife and I moved out here from Wilmington, North Carolina about 12 years ago, or just over 12 years ago, excuse me. And this is the eighth time I've started recording this episode and have not been able to get past the one minute mark. So I'm not going to be restarting it uh, again. And so whatever happens from here on out, I'm just going to leave in the recording for the sake of my own sanity. So in this season, this is season two, uh, and I'm basing the seasons just on where we were in the ministry. Right now, I'm focusing on that time between our arriving in Utah and our grand opening or our our launch service. And so for us, that was a very brief time. In fact, it was in our last episode, uh, my friend Isaac and I were talking about the brevity of time uh, between moving to the city where we were planting and actually beginning formal weekly services. And the the mistake that we both made that we kind of camped out on and, and pressed into was we just started too quickly. And so for us, if you didn't listen to that episode, I I would encourage you to pause this, go back, listen to that episode, just the previous episode. Um, Otherwise, just as a refresher, we we moved here in May 2011, and we held our um, first weekly service. So it was our grand opening, our launch service, after which we would meet every single week. And that was in September. So it was just over four months from the time we arrived until the time we were in full swing of a traditional church service. And of course, at that time, we were mobile. We were meeting in the conference center of a Best Western, what later became a Baymont Inn and Suites. Uh, because of the brevity of that time, I think we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and uh, I want to talk about one of the big ones that I didn't correct until I had lived in Utah, I think six years. And so here it is. This again, this is season two, episode three. And the mistake I want to talk about today is I did not meet my neighbors. I did not meet my neighbors. So we, when we moved here, we moved into a third story condo uh, just down the road from where I live now in Provo. And uh, we were renting it. And there were we had neighbors, and we had some interactions with those neighbors initially, um, but we did not really have any kind of in-depth relationship with them because we were doing so. Like we hit, we moved here, we moved on May 11th. We drove from the airport to our house in a rented car. Our car was being shipped over with all of our stuff from North Carolina. And we had about a week and a half, two weeks before our stuff showed up because it was delayed on the road. Um, So we kind of explored a little bit. We did some hiking, uh, tried some new restaurants and and whatnot. But then when our stuff showed up and we had unpacked and just a, a day or two after it arrived, we were completely unpacked. Uh, we hit the ground running. And so we were daily that whole summer doing ministry-related tasks and activity, going door-to-door, canvassing neighborhoods, doing outreach projects, servant evangelism-type stuff, participating in community events, all things I want to talk about in other episodes. We hosted five mission teams, I believe, that first year. Again, a topic for another episode. So we were we had groups in our home that we had just set up and all. I mean, it was just constant. And so in all this flurry of activity, we kind of neglected the people who were closest to us. And to be honest, for for that season, we were in that condo. It 
it really didn't bother me at all that, that I did that. I didn't, in fact, I didn't think anything of it. Um, our neighbors, our neighbors, uh, I've shared this story before in other places, but like across the hall from us was this older guy and uh, he took care of uh, some middle-aged guys, some younger guys that uh, I think maybe just had some mild disabilities or whatnot, maybe couldn't live on their own. And so they were all over there. There's three or four of them, but the older guy that was kind of, I think guess it, you know, the caregiver, the one taking charge, he was, he was a talker, man. So if you, he would catch you out. He was like, like grab you by the elbow, follow you out to the dumpster, follow you out to the mailboxes kind of talker, uh, reminds me of, uh, of uncle Leo and Seinfeld. And so we had him across the hall from us. And then, um, you know, diet below us, we're getting, we're on the third floor below us across the hall. What it was a young family, which, you know, we enjoyed them. They had young kids. We didn't have kids at the time. And, you know, if it's one of those things, people who don't have kids, I feel like by and large, don't like to hang out with people that do have kids. At least that was our, uh, our situation. And so they were there and they're, uh, their kids would just like come up and knock on our door and ring our doorbell and want to like, they were young kids, you know, uh, three and four and five or whatever. And I don't know what they wanted, but they were constantly just at our door. And then below us was another young family. And, uh, again, these are all, all these neighbors are Mormon we're, we're learning, but the family below us, it was funny because they had young kids too. And at like the oddest time they would start like banging out, uh, Mormon primary songs on the piano, and then the kids would be singing, you know, dad. So we're just like I'm wafting up through the floor these these Mormon children songs, uh, and then the neighbor on the other side of the wall, so the other side of the building, uh, was some college students, and one of them was learning to play the guitar, and I know that because he was very bad at it, and so just like terrible renditions of Stairway to Heaven and and whatnot would just come like you know echoing through the wall, and you're like, oh my goodness, and so. Uh, none like we weren't clicking with any of these neighbors in the few interactions we had. And because we made no uh, effort to get to know them at a deeper level. So we would come home, we'd be here home briefly. We'd be home in the evenings, but then during the day, Grayson and I, my wife and I were gone. We were just all over the place doing all kinds of stuff. So we lived in that condo for two years and that's how it was with you know, two years. And I, I got to where I even dreaded seeing some of those neighbors. And I say that to my fault. I, this is, I'm just, I'm kind of showing you where, what my heart, I was going through in my heart, where I was at. Like I would see some of those neighbors and if I'd pull it into my parking spot and I see one of those neighbors out, like maybe checking the mail, running something to the garbage or whatever, I would like wait in my car until they saw them go inside. Cause I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to them now. I just, I want to just go home and be done. So we move and we're going to buy a house and we buy a house that's, uh, it's like five minutes from the condo. It's just the condo's at the bottom of a hill, the house at the top of the hill. And uh, before we even walked into the house to tour it, I told Grayson, like outside, I was like, this, I want this house. This is the house. And the selling point for me was that the whole yard had this high privacy fence all the way around it, one of these vinyl fences, like you couldn't see, there's no slats to see through, just this privacy fence. And then it had this gate that you could swing across the driveway and lock. And I thought to myself, like, this is as close as you can get to a moat and drawbridge without all of the digging, right? Like, this is it. This is awesome. And so, I, I mean, in my mind, I thought, man, we'll come, I'll come home. We'll, we'll have done all this ministry during the day, right, out there. 
I'll come home. We can close this gate, lock it, fenced in yard. We'll draw the blinds and we won't have to talk to anybody for the rest of the day. So we did that. And we did that. I did that for four years. I lived in that house four more. So six years in Utah, four years in this house, both places we've lived, ignoring the neighbors while doing ministry, quote unquote, all over the city. In fact, even by the, the latter part of being in that uh, um, the house we had bought, by the end of that four years, we had already merged with another church. And so I wasn't just doing ministry in Provo. I was doing ministry in Taylorsville. So Utah County, Salt Lake County, back and forth with people all the time. And I'd come home and close the door and draw the blinds. Awful. So I here's what, here's what, what God did. I, got, I read a a book, and I don't remember where I first heard of the book, who sent it to me, where or where I bought it, but I read this book. Um, I'm holding it up here because that makes for good audio. Uh, no, this if you're uh, watching it on YouTube, it's called "The Art of Neighboring." The Art of Neighboring. I highly recommend this book, and uh, it's got a couple of authors here. So Jay and I can never pronounce his name, Pathak, and then uh, Dave Runyon. And this book is incredible because it it was paradigm shifting for me. It basically looks at that passage. I think it's in Acts 17 off the top of my head where Paul is speaking and Paul essentially says, Hey, isn't it possible? Well, he says, he says, God and his sovereignty and his providence has determined the times and boundaries of all peoples and nations. And he's done that for the purpose that they would come to know him. So think about this. Whole people groups, tribes, tongues, nations, God has determined when and where they are because he wants them to know him. So the point the authors make in this book is, isn't it possible if God does that on the macro scale, that he does that on the micro scale as well? Essentially meaning, isn't it possible that God and his providence and sovereignty has placed you and I where and when we live so far as our neighborhood, our street, our city, our county or whatever, uh, for the purpose of using us to help bring other people to him. Like we're, we're where we are so that we can continue to, we can encounter him and we can help other people encounter him also. And I thought about that, I thought, this is, this is insane. Like I had never, it never once crossed my mind. And so one of the things this, uh, the office here in this book suggests they have this little diagram. It's on the front of the book. Um, basically you're, it's like a tic-tac-toe board, your house in the middle. And then these eight other slots around you, basically your eight closest adjacent neighbors. Um, and what they really challenge you to do is go meet your neighbors, introduce yourself, learn their names, learn about their family, and begin to pour into them, trusting that that God's put you right literally next door to each other for for a reason. Almost it's an idea, and they elaborate on this in the book too. It's like we we look at the great commandment, love your neighbor. And because we, I'm a church planter, I moved across this, the, the country or the state to, to start, obviously I love people, or because we support a church planter or a missionary on the other side of the world or whatever we've adopted, you know, we've adopted some child through, uh, you know, one of those ministry programs where you're given to a kid in a different country or a different continent or whatever, or we give, whatever, but we, because we're pouring in elsewhere, we think, obviously I love my neighbor. 
but how often do we ignore the people right next to us? Like our literal neighbor, like what's wrong with taking that passage in its most literal sense? Love your actual, your actual literal next door, across the hall, across the street neighbor. And so that was really challenging to me, especially having been, again, been in Utah for six years and have never done that. So I read this book and I, uh, I say, okay, like the Holy Spirit is just kicking me in the face. And uh, I said, I have to go meet the neighbors. And I tell my wife, I was like, we have, we have, to, we have to go meet the neighbors. And she said, why? You know, and so um, I walk across the street. I walk next, I mean, again, all around us. And I, I knock on the door and you just wait, right? And they come to the door and I say, hey, I'm Logan. I live right there across the street or I live right there next door. I've been there for four years. I'm really sorry that I didn't come over here sooner and introduce myself. And without exception, um, that was reciprocated. They're like, oh, no worries. You know, we could have come over there too. We're so sorry. It gets so busy. And, and it's like, no, don't worry. And again, exchanging names and even contact information with some of them. And, and we ended up even, man, having dinner with some of them, being in some of their homes, having some of them in our homes over the course of weeks and months that followed. And it was, and now that we've even moved, so I don't live in that house anymore. I've, I've moved across town, but we still, like we were just at dinner with one of those neighbors just recently, just earlier this year, um, we've still kept in touch with them. And we've been in this house now for for almost five years. And so it, it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, man, it's just this incredible, like, I just broke the ice on something I just wasn't thinking to do in, in meeting these people. And I, I love this. I had the opportunity. So I'm on a, uh, the board of an organization called Loving Utah, which is, I, I love Loving Utah. It's just this great collaborative kind of of ministry that's pulling laborers from across the state together with this vision of let's just reach Utah with the gospel. And they had a summit this last year, you know, year before, last year, year before last. And we actually had Dave Runyon uh, speak and it was virtual. He spoke virtual, but I was, I got to interview him I got to be the one that asked the questions as he's uh, in person, as he's speaking up on the screen, and uh, which is a cool opportunity because the book was so impactful to me personally. Um, anyway, and one of the things he said since writing the book that he'd learned that I thought was significant, especially the way we're doing ministry now, as we're as we're here in Utah, is in the book he he does put a lot of emphasis on the uh, the idea of puts this idea forward of block parties and like pulling the whole street together, pulling the whole neighborhood together, getting these groups together. Um, and he says actually in what he's as he's living this out himself, which I love. It's not theory. This is this is this brother's actually doing this too. Um, is the the actual need less of of that kind of larger corporate public event outside. And they're, they're seeing more the, the significance, the need for these smaller intimate settings inside around their table. And I love that. Like having neighbors in to have share a meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, dessert, whatever it is, but actually sitting down. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And I, and I, I love it because I've seen that in my own life and then I see that biblically. Like I've read the book. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I. I have it to show you. Um, and if you can see, so if you are watching this on our YouTube channel, the bookshelf behind me is organized not by title or author or subject, but by color, which looks really cool. 
but it's the most impractical thing when it comes to finding what you're looking for. So I'm not going to take up time here to try to find this book to show you. Um, but I read the book, A Meal with Jesus. And I think it's in the book, A Meal with Jesus, he talks about the gospel of Luke. And it's interesting of how, if you just kind of map out the narrative of the gospel of Luke, how Jesus is always like going to or at, or just coming from like a meal with someone. Like there's so much that just happens at the table and that table fellowship, uh, which then it's it's not surprising. Then when you get to like Acts 2, which I've talked about even in previous episodes here, what do you see the early church doing? Man, they're breaking bread together. They're in each other's homes. They're at each other's tables. They're sharing these meals. They're, they're praising God and being grateful for this time together at the table where they're eating and fellowshipping together. And, and so anyway, Runyon in this book, uh, doesn't doesn't emphasize that point so much in his book, but in, in my conversation with him, the interview with him, he does uh, talk a lot about that. And so what I had done was ignored the people that God had put closest to me and excused myself or alleviated whatever guilt or whatever I may or may not have felt at the time. Again, this was years ago by saying, Hey, I'm with people all the time. I'm doing ministry. Of course, I love my neighbor and I'm just doing it out here. And I wish we had taken more time to just pour into and get to know the people God just put around us. Like it, I almost wonder, like, isn't it possible? Here we are coming to start. Isn't it possible that that person of peace, that that person who was just eager to receive Jesus and the message of the gospel, that he just moved us right in next door to them? Like, isn't it possible? He, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely possible he had done that. And we just kind of had ignored that. And then what's more is because the brevity of our time between our move and our grand opening service in that summer. So again, this is not in that house. This would have been in that condo. But there was so much activity happening. And we were so busy and so frantic. And we were hosting these teams and doing these events and these projects. And we actually didn't have space. Like if if I had known then what I'm sharing with you now, you know, 12 years later, if I had known this, I like I I didn't have the time to do it. So even if someone had pointed it out to me, I'm like, well, I get that. That's, but I was I was just running, and so this actually would have required some some more intentional time and some margin in our schedules and in our week and in our calendar where we could have given space to getting to know our neighbors, space to invite them over or invite them out to do something or to have a conversation with them, to not be rushed when you catch them in the hall. And uh, man, we just did not have that. And so again, as you're thinking through, as you're moving in, I hope I hope already you have the, the sense that I did not have to slow down and wait before you launch and begin to commit yourself to these weekly gatherings. If, if you're going the traditional church route, if you're going, uh, well, even I guess even the non-traditional church route, we, we have weekly services still. But I mean, if you're before you start committing your, your energy and your calendar in that way, uh, your time in that way, give yourself space to begin to meet the people God's put you around, the neighborhood that you're in, familiarize yourself with the neighborhood and the businesses around you and the schools around you and any kind of you know public space around you. I would, I would pour into that. And then something else I, I, I would do that I, I wish we had done that we do a lot now is I would just begin prayer walking and praying for 
that community and asking God to show you, hey, we've moved here and I get this is a big city or a big county or whatever. You know, we're looking, maybe your vision is huge. I'm looking at the state, I'm looking at the region, whatever. That's awesome. But he did put you in this one specific place. And so I think it's worth asking, like, why is there is there someone here, Lord, you want me to connect with? And so what we've done now, so let me just give you a couple practical suggestions here to walk this out. One, I would recommend reading this book. Um the Art of Neighboring. Pick this up, read it. I'll tell you what, I'll throw a link in the show notes and uh, you can click through there and, and grab a copy of it. There's even a small group. It was free. I believe it was free. Um, if not, don't, you don't hold me to that. But on their website, they had a small group curriculum that you could go through this content in like six weeks. And we did that a number of times when we were multi-site. We really were pushing this um, when we were multi-site. And I think that's worth that's worth going through as an individual. That's worth taking your family through, saying, hey, this is what we want to do in our neighborhood. That's worth getting together with a couple of friends and doing, let's do this together in our neighborhoods. Let's do this you know, as a church, as a small group, as a Sunday school class. So I, that is a resource I recommend. I also would recommend just begin praying for uh, prayer walking your neighborhood, getting to know the neighborhood. And I'll throw a link in the show notes as well. I, I've got some resources, some videos I've recorded about prayer walking. And so I'll throw that there. And prayer walking is a simple, I'm walking, not necessarily engaging people. I'm just asking God to show me where he's at work. I'm just praying for his presence and his blessing on this community. Uh, I'm praying that he dismantles obstacles and barriers for the gospel. And Lord, just show me where you're working. Bring me across the path, the people you're already speaking to and dealing with. And so I'll throw that video link in the show notes as well. And then I came across a resource, um, and I don't remember where I first uh, learned of it. I had seen a resource that was called prayforeveryhome.com. And I just looked at it before I started recording this. And that site is now debunked. It's, it's, it's dead. It's not a, nothing's happening with that link anymore. But there's another similar site that I came across shortly thereafter called blesseveryhome.com. Blesseveryhome.com. And it pulls like the 100 or the 150 closest addresses to your address, gives you their name, kind of like a Google map almost sort of thing, shows you the name, probably pulling that from the white, it tells you where they're getting it, like the white pages or voter registration or something. And then you can interact with the map, clicking on it, like if you've met them, clicking a different color, I think if you've if you've prayed for them, clicking a different color, if you've done something to bless them, you take invited them over, taking them a gift, whatever. And then a space for notes that you can begin to kind of um, log your interactions with them and what you're learning about them. And it's a really helpful way to kind of steward, um, keep track of those, those, those families right near you. I tell you, that was a really helpful tool for us during COVID. Uh, we used it as a family and then we were pushing it to people saying, Hey, I know we're not like, there's a lot of people. We still continue to gather because we were obviously at that point in the house church model. So much smaller gatherings, our gathering size wasn't limited by the state or anything. Um, but everyone around us in our community um, wasn't gathering anywhere. And so it actually let us kind of press in with them and have some conversations and encourage people to reach out and, and keep track of that, making sure we're not letting people fall through the cracks at a time when there's a lot of uncertainty and fear and, and even openness around, you know, what's, what's happening? What's God doing here? What are we? What is this about? So those are some resources that I would suggest. And again, just the advice is before you go thinking we're going to go knock every door in town, blitz this community, advertise all over. 
have you had a personal interaction with the people that are right next door to you? Man, what if God moved you across the state, across the country, because he had someone prepared right across the street from you already? It's incredible. So I hope this is helpful. If it is helpful, would you do me a favor? Would you would you rate it or leave a review um, wherever you're getting your podcast? I know this is coming out on, on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify as well. Please, please rate it, leave a review. Um, if you're listening to the link, maybe it's on social media somewhere, you've come across it. Please like it, share it, retweet it, repost it, whatever that might be. If you're on YouTube, again, like it, comment, whatever. Um, and share it if you have a church planting friend, if you're part of a church planting team, if you're a, a church that has sent out church plant, I mean, please pass this around wherever you think it would be helpful and beneficial. Um, man, I, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want you to go six years and not have a relationship with the people right next door to you. I think that would just be a, man, what a, what a tragedy. So I hate I did that. Anyway, that was a mistake. And this is everything I did wrong as a church planter, a million part series. I'm Logan Wolf. Thank you so much.